This is Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. It's good to be here again. We are uh, on day seven and eight of our yearly Bible reading, so we have about 358 days left or something, <laughs> but uh, we're going to do it. <laughs> is that right? Did I do the right math there? All right. It it's okay. Matter. 365 days a year. Yeah, yeah, okay. you're fine. Well, we got a lot to get to. We are covering Genesis 14 through 18. And surprise, it's packed. It is packed. We So let's just get to it. This is day seven and eight. Um, right off the bat, we're getting back into Abram. Abram and Lot, they decide to split ways in our last episode. And um, there's a problem. Lot goes to Sodom. And in mm-hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, there's all these kind of wars. All these kings are uh, combining forces and battling against each other. And... Um, and as a result, long story short, Lot and all his family are and all his things are taken captive by some rival kings. And Abraham goes after him. Yeah. Abraham actually is like, this cannot stand. This aggression cannot stand, man. <laughs> and Abram's like, uh, I just I just love how Abram is so like tough. And when I was reading it, he takes 300 of his men, which then is really helpful. It gives us a scope because I'm thinking Abram and his wife and it's like maybe Hagar and a few donkeys mm-hmm. or something. But he actually chooses 300 of men, 300 men. Am I right about that? Yeah, 300. Yeah, it's 318 men and they were trained for this purpose. Right. So like imagine Abram now. We're reading this. It's only Genesis 14, but he has the capability of getting out of all his people, 300 trained people. Yes. And so that is just kind of giving you some um, perspective on Abram is being blessed. Yeah, the household of Abram. They're growing. I mean, he has like a nice little village that surrounds him. And also the perspective of these kings that he's pursuing. It's four kings from the east, like from his homeland, Ur. Right. It's the four kings from the east who were in control of the land that's now in like Middle East, West area of um sodom and gomorrah they were control of that area and the sodom and gomorrah kings were rebelling and going like you're far away we want to rule on our own we don't want to pay taxes to you and so these four kings from the east came over with their armies and taught them a lesson and beat them and so now abram with 318 men which is still impressive for abram is going after an army of four kings Right, so whatever those kings can get together, and uh, he's going up against. Anyway, somehow Abram figures it out and gets him back. Right? Yeah, he he just yeah he he re, he actually gets everything that they stole right. from Sodom and Gomorrah. And he makes a deal with one of the kings because he's like, I don't want any gifts from you. Yeah, he goes, just give us my people back and their things, and uh, maybe some of the guys. Like the warriors. Oh some yeah, things? some some of his allies that were not part of his household went with him, and so he's like, some of those allies give them some stuff, but don't give me anything because I don't want it to be said that uh, the kings of Sodom made Abram rich. Right. And this is a theme that will fo- follow throughout the, the scriptures: is Abram and Abraham, which he'll be called later. Um, he wants. He is believing the promise of God. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be ever accredited to some king or some smart deal. 
And it always makes me think of Jesus when he's with uh, Pilate and he could make a deal with Pilate mm-hmm. and he could make a deal with Herod and use political alliances. But he goes, no, man, this is purely the promise of God to accomplish the things of God. But we have a lot more to go. So after this, he immediately runs into um, the king of Salem, the king of righteousness and peace. Mm-hmm. And this guy's name is Melchizedek. And he's referred to as like a priest. Mm-hmm. And um, he literally, he, he basically gives, it looks like he shares the Lord's Supper with Abram, yeah. recognizing that he's blessed. And he blessed him. And he blessed, uh, he says, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gives a tenth of everything. So he gives him a tithe to Melchizedek, who will later become a forerunner, as we learn from the New mm-hmm. Testament, of Christ, our King of Peace, who we give ourselves to and give a, a tenth of everything we have to and desire his blessing. So there's a really interesting, we could spend probably hours on Melchizedek, but um, he meets Melchizedek, he's blessed, Matt and I, and I'm putting my hand up on one side, we think it's Shem. Mm-hmm. We think Shem is still alive after uh, Noah, uh, according to the years. Shem, yeah, Shem is still alive at the birth of Jacob. So, cool. So we think Shem, you know, having seen the rainbow and see, and heard the blessings and curses mm-hmm. that started back in previous chapters, is now this really old, wise, priestly dude. Anyway, right after this, we get to a covenant, and this is a big chapter, Genesis chapter 15, where God makes a covenant with Abraham, and a covenant is an oath. It's a, uh, a promise. It's a deal. So they're cutting a deal. That phrase even comes from this idea of covenant, where you cut animals in half, mm-hmm. and then you both, it's like a handshake. You know, it's like, a, uh, it's like signing the papers and saying, if you break this, if you break this deal we're making, you will become like these animals that are cut in half. You will have to pay with your life. And so God enters into a covenant with Abraham, and it includes dead animals and everything. He even says to Abraham, fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. And then uh, Abraham is still going, oh, but I'm childless, and how can, I don't know how we're going to do this. And so even after this great victory, Abraham is like trying, Abram is trying to figure out how are we going to do this promised, this promised seed, this hope, how is this going to happen? And God uh, literally says, all right, here you go set up a covenant. Abram cuts the animals in half. He chews away all the birds from wanting to eat eat the dead animals. And uh, these animals are cut in half and laid on top of each other, which we think might be... In the shape of a cross. In the shape of a cross. There they are, like heaps of dead animals. And if Abram is thinking, if I break this promise to God, I will become like one of these. But God does something amazing. It's a really amazing passage. And what God does is he, he puts Abram into a sleep. He says, no, 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 this is going to be different. Um, I, God, am going to assume punishment if this covenant is broken. So God then passes over the the cut animals in fire and smoke through through the um, sacrifice as fire and smoke, which are also the things that will follow God's people in the desert. There's Mm -hmm. God's fire and smoke and all these things. But what I love about this and what you really need to know is don't fear Abram. I will uh, assume the punishment. If, if you break this and you freak out and try to do it in your own strength, God will assume punishment. And we, of course, know Jesus assumes the punishment. Why? To keep the promise God made to us. Mm-hmm. We should be the ones like going, oh, I broke, I broke the deal. And that's why chapter 15 is a big deal. 
Also, one of my favorite verses is in chapter 15, and it's where the Bible says, Abram believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. This is where we get the idea that your belief, just if you can trust in quietness and trust, trust with the Lord's promise that it will happen by his power and that he'll even assume your guilt if you break it, that is righteousness. So for us, being right and being righteous before God is not in our works or our promises or our intentions, but it is literally in our ability to believe God right from the beginning. So that's Genesis 15. Yeah, and then Genesis 16, we immediately see Abram in his brokenness and Abram and Sarah tested. trying to figure out how to make God's promise come true right. in their own strength. And so Sarah comes up with this great plan of, hey, take my Egyptian handmaiden, which they most likely got in Egypt while they were there, mm-hmm. and uh, how about you have a child with her, and maybe that's how we'll have children. Right. And we were talking yesterday, and it's again this great idea of right after God gives us some kind of promise and some great comfort, or you know, it's like resolutions. As soon as we resolve to do something, you're immediately tested. Mm-hmm. And so immediately... It's been 10 years since the initial promise. And so like any good wife is saying to her husband, I think you're being lazy. It's been 10 years. (laughs) We got to do something. Go over there and have a baby with Hagar. And this will solve our problems. And Abram does it because it's not not a stretch in that culture for this thing to happen like it is today. Um, So it seems like the most reasonable thing to do. And uh, and God's like, no, this isn't where the promise is going to be. And uh, as a result... It's not good. Yeah, as a result, you know, like there's tension between the servant and the wife. Yeah. Because now the hand servant thinks she's better than the wife because she had a child and Sarah can't. And so Sarah wants her sent away and like she runs away. She actually runs away from Sarah. But there's like this really sweet uh, scene where God meets with Hagar, yeah. sends an angel and comforts her and says, Look, your child isn't the child of the promise, but your child will still be a great man and become a great nation. Yeah, and that's what's so cool reading it. In the past, I'd had this kind of defensive posture like, oh, Ishmael is, you know, it's it's the other groups in the Middle East. They're <laughs> yeah. always against us. And God, why? Why did you even let them live? And as we'll learn and as we see here, God is blessing Hagar and says, look, I love all people mm-hmm. and I love Ishmael. He's going to be a, a wild donkey of a man, is what verse 12 <laughs> says. Uh, but he's going to become a great nation because he's, your, he's part of you, Abraham. And he's, God loves people. Mm-hmm. It's like you just said. You just, you're not the one who's going to carry the promise to save the world, but you're still the world that I want to save. Yes. And so there is a softness towards Hagar and Ishmael, we'll see. And it bothers Sarah. Mm-hmm. So moving on. Chapter 17. Chapter 17 is another big, and you can kind of see the... It goes, uh, there's like big covenant promises, and And then then, there's a little bit how it plays out. mm -hmm. Then it goes back to what God's doing, and it goes to how Abraham reacts to it. Well, God shows up and says, I want to do something that is not unheard of in our culture, circumcision. But what I want to do is I want to transform the idea of circumcision to be a promise. Because I need you to remember the promise that was given in the garden, that there is the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of Satan. There is hope. You can be made complete again. And so God says, 
I'm going to turn circumcision into a daily reminder of the covenant promises. Yeah. That's it. And so he says, uh, I want you to, he makes all these promises. You're going to be a father of nations. You'll have many kids. And this is where he changes his name. He says, your name is Abraham, which means um, the father of many nations, mm -hmm. which is really great. All nations will be brought under Christ, right? And so circumcision is, it has to do with a part of the body that you have to daily interact with. And so the idea is that you would remember that you're set apart and you're the carriers of the promise that will come through a child. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Like there is, so Christmas has already started. Right. I mean, it started in Genesis 3, but you see like God is serious about going, I want this to be the mark. And if you can't receive this mark, then you're not a part of the promised people. So get out. And, the, and it says that, it goes that he circumcised Ishmael, he circumcised his servants, anybody who's in that camp, whether you're purely a part of Abraham or not, you receive the benefits of this promise in your flesh. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these great connections we could spend there, but um, transforms circumcision to be a promise. Yeah, and then he once again uh, re-promises, you're going to have a son. Like we're now dealing with the fallout of Ishmael. Ishmael and, Ishmael and Hey is saying, you are going to have a child through Sarah. Don't try to figure it out any other way. You and Sarah are going to have a child. And uh, that, is this where Sarah laughs? Uh, no, this no, is not. Later. Okay. This, this is just later. This is actually where Abraham laughs. Abraham's like, oh man. This is, Abraham bows to God in the face of this promise and at the same time is laughing. And it's a, just a really cool scene of Abraham's doubt and faith playing out together because we are both Satan sinner. We have faith and doubt. And it's just cool to see this play out. It is very Abraham. cool. The faith and doubt thing too. And I'm thinking about circumcision. I've never connected these two ideas until today. It's an exclusive. Um, I have a letter in my house of when I, someone, I got randomly selected for this scholarship to pay for my seminary oh yeah and so i still have the letter mm -hmm. and so that letter is just saying hey uh, god bless you in your future ministry this is your last payment but i keep it and it reminds me of all the doubt i had about going to seminary <laughs> but also it reminds me of god's promise that i felt called to seminary and that he paid for it so i look back to that as a reminder that you know if i follow god he'll take care of a lot of these details he has in the past, and I use it for a future thing. And and so that letter is framed in my house. And I think if we huh. think about circumcision as it's not just a letter, a meaningless letter, but it's been transformed by the work of God behind it. And so circumcision is this constant promise that I've brought you out of things. I will continue. I've given you my word, and I will finish and do what I've said I've done. And so um, circumcision is that. And later, circumcision will be transformed into something better yeah. baptism. Um, but we learned that in the New Testament. So right. after uh, Isaac laughs. No, after Abraham laughs. Ab I'm sorry, Isaac's name means laughter. Yes. Uh, There's one more chapter. We move into chapter 18, and this is where the Lord and angels actually show up in the flesh at Abram, uh, Abraham's camp. Right. And he recognizes these guys as angels. Mm -hmm. And he's like, whoa. And he makes a big meal and shows tremendous hospitality because that's what you do back in the day. But he recognizes these guys as the Lord. And sure enough, they are. Mm -hmm. um, the Lord is with them and in them and tells them. He tells uh, Abraham a lot. Yeah. And 
uh, he again, once again, re-ups, reminds. God is constantly, he's very gracious to us. Mm-hmm. And he's constantly reminding because he knows there's doubt. And he knows we struggle. So he's constantly graciously reminding him. And so, again, now in person, he is saying to Abram, this time next year, you will have a son. And I noticed this time, Matt, that um, there's a great verse, eighteen, chapter 18, verse 14. The angel says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Mm. And so, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the angel says that to Mary Oh yeah. when she's like, how can this be? And he says, nothing is impossible with God. And so you see, start to see these themes, like how can a baby come from death that's going to save the world? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is no. Next no. year, about this time, you'll have a baby. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so that's, that's a big, big promise and a big theme throughout the scriptures. But we got to wrap up today's uh, Old Testament. So uh, there's one more big event. These angels have something to tell Abraham. They're yeah. basically saying we've come for destruction because God has heard the cries of violence in Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. That God hears and he cares that people are being uh, victimized. And so they're on their way to destroy Sodom because it's just too evil. Mm-hmm. And Abraham, now Abraham, s- sticks up for Sodom and says, you wouldn't just kill everybody. What if there's some righteous people? What if there's 50? And the Lord actually, in his mercy, engages Abraham. Yeah, it's really cool. I used to wonder why. Like, why? Like, God, why are you even entertaining Abraham? But then I realized this is a great comfort to us because God actually has a relationship with us. He cares about us. Abraham carries the sign of the promise. Let's work together to fulfill the promises of God. And so in God's mercy, he entertains Abraham and says, uh, okay, all right. all right. And so it gets down to, for the sake of, of 10, 10 people, people, would you save Sodom? And guess what? There are not 10 righteous people in Sodom anymore. <laughs> there is a... Um, do we get into the horrific scene? No, not yet. We'll have to save that for yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. There is a horrific scene about to go down. But where we there's end... There's four. <laughs> yeah, there is a horrific scene. So come back tomorrow. But we'll end with this for the Old Testament reading. Is He says, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way, and he'd finished speaking to Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. And later in the story, thank you, God, he sends Jesus. And for the sake of one man, Jesus Christ... Uh, the earth is saved. Mm-hmm. And so it's just cool seeing these themes. So I would say um, for the sake of one man, there's a lot of themes going on today, but I like that he, I like the, the chapter 15 verse where he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. And that's where God assumes the punishment if the covenant is broken. God assumes our punishment when we break his law. That's why we look to Jesus. All right, that's, we got to stop. Yeah. Do you know Old Testament? Mm-hmm. Keep forgetting to do the Old Testament music. There it is. And now our New Testament music. Our New Testament reading is Matthew 5, verse 43 through chapter 7, verse 23. All right. So where are we in the New Testament? We uh, are still on his Sermon in the Mount on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 43. Oh, love your enemies. So Jesus is saying, you know, here's the law, eye for an eye. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the just and the unjust. This goes back to even Ishmael. Mm -hmm. 
is that it is easy for us who think we're right to judge others. And he's like, look, you don't, you don't even, I don't ask you, God doesn't ask us to even judge our enemies. I mean, we allow governments to do their job, but we don't judge them. We pray for our enemies. We're the people who bring salt and light to the earth. And this is the hardest demand of any, really, <laughs> is that when you're persecuted um, for Christ's sake, or you're persecuted unjustly to pray for your enemies. But we have found in our lives, this is where a lot of freedom, when we've been able to acknowledge the hurts and ask God to replace them and bless our enemies, that's where I've found the most peace peace and healing. Yeah, yeah. more than revenge or even an eye for an eye could ever, um, ever yeah. afford. So that's pretty amazing. So yeah, that's the last little section in chapter 5. And then moving into chapter 6, we have... Uh, the giving of the needy. Take care of the needy. And uh, again, he's still going above and beyond what the law, like he's like, you think the law requires this, or you've heard it said that the law requires this, but it requires even more. Right. It's more, you know, you might give a little, mm-hmm. but our motives are always mixed when we're giving. Right. So certainly it's good to give and be generous, but the demand of the law is you give in secret. You give without even keeping track of it. You know, it's easy for us to give and go, I hope they're using it wisely. Or the reason I don't give to somebody, because they're just going to waste it. Right. And Jesus is, um, his standard is, oh no, you give without any, without anything, uh, hope or even record of it. Right. Like you give in secret. Mm -hmm. You don't give to get praised by others. Or uh, if you do, that's your reward. You get the reward of, oh, good job. You're a good person. Not really. And then immediately he goes into the Lord's Prayer. So if you're ever looking for the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew, it's given in chapter 6, verse 5. And he even states that this is how we ought to pray. Jesus gives a a couple commands. And his commands are always uh, full of grace or for our benefit. They're not like law. They're gospel. Mm -hmm. And so one of the gospel commands of Jesus is when you pray which assumes when you talk to the God of the universe in my name, you have access because for the sake of one man, you have access to the God of the universe and approach him like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then immediately what Jesus wants his disciples to know this prayer is about is if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you so it has a lot to do with understanding your position approaching god in humility and being ready to forgive right because forgiveness uh, opens up blessing it opens up uh, the mercy of god for you yeah huge theme uh we go to 723 and jesus is again redefining like this new law and he's like, with fasting, we don't fast for praise from other guys or people. We fast before the Lord. We lay up treasures in heaven. Um, you cannot serve God and money. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus just says it. And then immediately follows up with, why would we serve money? Because we're anxious. There's a lot of anxiety and in our lives. That's actually next week's. What? Yeah. I thought we are going to 723. Oh, you're right. No, it's oh not goodness. So he lays up treasures in heaven. Um it's between money and uh, God. And then mm-hmm. he says, don't be anxious. You know, he talks about taking care of the birds of the air. And and then there's a great line at the end where he goes, you know, the Gentiles seek after all these things. Like, what should we eat? What should we wear? But 
what we get to do as children of the promise is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Sufficient is for the day is its own trouble. And so Jesus is realigning our thoughts and going, look, our lives is not, are not no longer about what can we get? What can we keep? Mm-hmm. What do we wear? It's like, I'll, I'll, you, you search for my word. You search yeah. for my son. You search for the kingdom of God. That's what your life is going to be about. And I'll add all these things to you. Powerful stuff. Um, and then through 23, oh man. Yeah. Okay. This Here's what we do. Seven, chapter seven t- starts with don't judge. Mm-hmm. Talks about asking it'll be given. And then it gets to the golden rule. Do to others as you would have done to you. And um, the golden rule is law, right? Right. And it so is. Jesus is like, look, if you live by this, it, the na- the gate is so narrow, many people won't make it. <laughs> and we get confused. We think, oh, like getting saved Saved-ish. is for few people. Right. It's like, no, no, no. Jesus is saying, saving yourself by treating others the way you want to be treated, very few will get in that gate. In fact, Why? only Jesus. <laughs> um, it's still a good rule. Again, like the law is still good. It's the will of God. It's how we ought to act. But we are broken. Incapable yeah. of fulfilling it. And so that's why Jesus later is going to hang out with sinners because they understand like, yeah, I don't always treat people the way I want to be treated. God have mercy. And he's like, I have for the sake of Jesus Christ. And then the next part is uh, a tree and its fruit and this great passage about I never knew you. And these have to do with prophets. Yeah. Prophet. Yeah. Yeah. People who are uh, proclaiming uh, salvation or a word from a god or the god and it's just dealing with be forewarned that there's going to be false prophets out there that are going to be preaching a different gospel than what i have taught you here's how you get saved here's what you need to do and what jesus is warning everybody again we've made this personal but really it's about prophets people who are speaking on behalf of god and he's like look at their fruit a healthy tree cannot bear uh, bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And so he's saying, look at the fruit. So anyone who says, you know, the golden rule is how you ought to live, he's like, look at their fruit. Have they been perfect? Have they always treated? No. And um, you will recognize true prophets by their fruit. Well, who is the the true prophet? And then he goes, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, Um, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And so he goes on that people will do, okay, so now he's dealing with what if people heal and cast out demons and do great works? Like, can we trust that fruit? Yeah. And Jesus says, um, they do mighty works in in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew them. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus is saying, look, the fruit of the prophet is the one who does things in line with God, Mm -hmm. who speaks with authority, who can raise the dead who can heal the blind and the deaf. And so the only prophet who knows God and who bears the fruit of the prophet is Jesus. He is the prophet with all authority. And there'll be a lot of false prophets and um, even even tempted to um, be our own prophet, you know, think that we're doing a good job. The reality is Christ is doing a good job and he is our prophet. And it, co- it goes back, you know, is anything too hard for the Lord? Hmm. That only Jesus could do this for us. So chapter 7, we're, we're getting close to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, tomorrow, or our next session, we'll look at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. 
But uh, a lot going on in the New Testament. Yeah. Hope you're keeping up. It's uh, it's worth trying to figure it out. It is. All right, now we are moving into our Psalms and Proverbs reading. We're going over Psalm 6 and Proverbs 1, verses 8 through 19. Psalm 6, uh, the, the, the theme I like there is God has heard my plea, he's mm-hmm. heard my prayer. And that God hears you when you cry out to him. He, it's who he is, it's what he's always done, and uh, he hears you. So he hears your heart today. And he longs to make you complete. And this is the hope of Christ. And then in Proverbs. Yeah, and in Proverbs 1, verse 8 through 19, it's it's the beginning of, um, all right, we set up the intro. This is what I hope to accomplish in this writing. But now here is the beginning of the instruction. And it's like a as parents are imparting wisdom onto their child and telling them to trust trust in God don't take don't steal what you can get but trust in the Lord for your provision yeah wisdom stop trying to rely on yourself mm-hmm. well we went um, about 30 minutes today Matt but yeah. it's just one day of reading and remember all this the word of God is just like it's like seeds in the earth and you water it and uh, you get whatever you can for today, and you trust the Lord with it. And all we can tell you is the Lord keeps his promises. Uh, we are called to believe it, and it's counted as righteousness to us. God, thanks so much for your word. I pray that you'd write it on all of our hearts and hear our prayers to grow as people, to walk in peace, to grow in love for our neighbor. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. You've been listening to by Ravens with Matt and Adam.